Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever overreacted to something in your life? Anybody in here? Uh, yeah, amen, right? I got some amen. Somebody fell out over here, right? And so here's the deal. Like, has anyone in, like, you overreact, right? Like, there's something little, or, or you deal with a kid, or you deal with somebody in your life, and, and something happens, and the reaction is about tenfold of what happened, right? Like, our kids, like, sometimes, like, I remember the other day, um, one of our kids, um, our little boy, he likes to ride this tricycle thing around our house. And he will run over his sister's feet every single chance he gets. And like when he runs over their feet, this machine may weigh like three pounds. And then not only that, he, you know, he's like three years old, four years old. So he's, it's not a lot, but they will scream like their foot just got sawed off like immediate. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like there's an overreaction. And the reason that so many people overreact in our lives is because they're hurt. For so many of us, we we respond very heavily to things that that when there's a hurt in our life. Like if you have little kids, has anyone been with a little kid and they're by the stove and you just heated up some mac and cheese and the little kid, the burner's red and what do they want to do? That thing's glowing. I want to touch it. And you see the kid about to touch it and what do you do? Scream. 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 The kid gets scared. They're like, they're crying. You're, you're yelling. And the reason that you scream is because you remember what that pain was like. And so you overreact. Nothing's actually happened yet. You could have just said like, hey, in a firm voice, stop. But instead you yell and you scream. The kid is scared. And you realize in this moment that you're responding out of hurt that you've experienced. I wonder for how many of us in our lives we can tend to overreact in the things that go on in our families because of some of the hurt that we've experienced. That's why I told you we needed to be ready for our lives tonight because here's the deal, and here's a question for you. Is your hurt killing your relationships? Like when I am in counseling sessions with couples and newly marrieds and all of these people, I will tell you half of the time what I'm dealing with is people's hurt. Not how they hurt each other, how they were hurt previously in their lives. And then because they don't quite understand each other yet, they don't have context for what's going on, they're like, man, when I leave a, like the, the door open or if I make a mistake or if they make a mistake and I say, hey, can you fix that? It's like they're yelling at me and I'm just asking nicely for you to fix it. Well, they probably had someone in their life who would scream at them for every single mistake that they made so they get back at you in, a, in an aggressive manner. And so what we're going to see today is how hurt will kill your relationships if they're not dealt with. That's just the reality of life. And let me just tell you, burying something deep down in your life is not dealing with it, right? Ignoring it is not dealing with it. And so if we don't deal with our hurt, our hurt is going to deal with us. 100%. And so tonight, what we're going to look at is if you want to have these incredible relationships in your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with, with your siblings, or really just anybody in your life, you have to get through the hurts that you've been through. In fact, here's, I'll give you a little funny story about Kelsey and I as we dealt with hurt. Because anybody knows that like half of the time your fights are over a miscommunication. Right? How many of you, like, have you ever gotten through a fight and you're talking and then you, you, you both de-escalate your voices and you're like, what are we even fighting about? Like, what are we even arguing about? So it was a couple years ago. I had to learn this. So if you learn this from me, if you text me, one, if you text me a long thing, I, I, I'll read it, but my response will generally be short. Like, if there's a lot to say, I'll call you. Because if it's a book, I don't, I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go, this work, right? And so here's the deal. I will respond very quickly. And that's just the way that I am. Like, that's the way that I communicate. You wouldn't know that from the messages that I give, but generally, I communicate very quickly, right? Like, and so when Kelsey and I were first married, she would text me things like, hey, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? How does like, you know, spaghetti and meatball sound? I'd say, okay, like, okay, period, okay. What she heard was like, okay, spaghetti and meatballs again, right? And, and so what would happen is she had two responses. Either she would get angry and I'd come home and it's like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. Are we having spaghetti and meatballs tonight? Yeah, we are. What happened? Your response, K, period, it's awful. Or I would get home and it's like, hey, are you okay? 
Is everything okay? Are we okay? Do we need to talk about something? And I'm like, I just want to eat some spaghetti and meatballs, right? Like, here's the deal. What I really realized was that Kelsey probably somewhere in her life had, had conversations with people, and the way they wrote into a text message, she was reading into past hurt. Either the person was angry with her, or she was like angry with them because we were reading into the text. And so what Kelsey asked me to do is this. She said, when you text, said in K, but then an emoji. Like I need some kind of clue here about how you're feeling. Am I ever going to send K in with a frowny face? Okay, right? Like I'm not going to do that, but that's what I needed to do. And because of that hurt and because of that, like I needed to take an extra step to make sure we were okay. Now, Kelsey really understands me. I understand Kelsey. So about 50% of the time I'll send an emoji and the other 50% that I don't, she really knows that we're probably okay. But what I realized is, is I would be like, this is so ridiculous. Why would you be upset about this? Or why would you think that nothing's okay between us because I just sent K to spaghetti and meatballs? And what I realized is, is when there's hurt, you can't address the logic of the feeling. You have to address the hurt. Right? We, we say this all the time here. You don't have to agree with the reason why somebody feels the way that you, they do. You just have to address the feeling. I mean, anyone in a fight like that where you're in this fight and you, this person's upset and you're like, that's a ridiculous reason to be upset. And so you tell them like, hey, the reason you feel the way that you do, that's stupid. And then like, you know what? You're right. It is stupid. I'm going to change. No, it's like starts another fight, right? Because we're all responding in our hurt. And hurt doesn't always have to make sense to feel bad. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Your hurt will haunt your relationships if you don't learn to bury it. If you really don't learn to bury your previous hurts and your past hurts, it is going to haunt you in your relationships. And so tonight, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at a lady in the Bible that some of you may know about. Her name is the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Now, you have to understand a few things about this story as we jump into it. You may have heard it. You may have read it a million times, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective. So this Samaritan woman is coming to the well in the middle of the day. If anybody's been to a desert, it's really hot in the middle of the day. That's not the time that you want to go to a place to get water. In fact, everybody would leave early in the morning, in the cool of the morning, to go get water. The fact that this lady is showing up in the middle of the day means she wants to avoid some people. And when you really want to avoid people in your life, it's probably because somewhere in your life you've experienced some hurt. Like, I don't, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to deal with anybody. I'm just going to go by myself because I don't want to deal with your looks. I don't want to deal with your comments. I don't want to deal with your shame. I don't want to deal with the ridicule. And so you know what? I'm going to separate myself from life. And I'm going to come in the middle of the day. And so that's exactly where we find ourselves today in the Bible. Jesus has chosen to go into Samaria, and he shows up by this well, and he meets this woman, the Samaritan woman. If you have your Bible, open up to John uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Look at what the Bible says. This woman comes up, and Jesus is waiting there, and Jesus asks her for something. He asks her for a drink. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Simple question. Not even mean. Hey, can I have a drink? Look at her response. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How is it that, that you're going to ask me for a drink? For the Jews and the Samaritans, like they, they don't value them. They don't look at them and Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Does it sound like there may be some hurt there? Like, how many of us have been somewhere and someone says, hey, can I get a drink? And it's like, how are you going to ask me for a drink? How are you going to ask me for a drink? How are you going to even deal with this and talk to me in this moment? And so Jesus says, the Samaritan woman said, how can you do this? For we don't even associate with each other. I don't know about you, but the question and the response seem a little bit uneven. A little bit unmerited. And here's the reality. When hurt comes into our life, the reason it enters in so deeply is because we allow bitterness to take root. And here's the deal. If you and I are going to have these incredible relationships with people in our lives, you must not let bitterness take root. 
right? Because even as we're talking about this tonight, you may be having a hard time listening because you've already begun to replay hurts in your life. And what you're saying in this moment is, Pastor Blake, you don't know. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they behaved. You don't know any of it. Or you might say, you don't know how I behaved. You don't know the things that I said. You don't know the things that I had to deal with. But here's what I'm going to tell you. This lady is completely ostracized from her society. Like things have gone so poorly in her life up to this point that she shows up to get water by herself in the hottest part of the day. And maybe for some of us in this room, like that's you. You feel like that's where my soul is. You feel like that is where my heart is. Like there's something going on in my life. And what she has allowed in this moment is for bitterness to settle into her heart. And if you allow bitterness to enter into your heart, bitterness will lead to resentment. Resentment will lead to anger. Anger always leads to hatred. And hatred leads to death. And here's the deal. It either kills the person you're hating or it kills you. It kills you. It dominates you. And so bitterness is this poison that you and I drink to protect ourselves from not getting hurt again. And we say, you know what? The bitterness in my heart, being alone, that's better than me dealing with other people in this world. And you're alone and you're dying inside and and even the name or the mention or looking at a car that that person used to drive or maybe a phone number whatever it is some of you panic when you get a certain call from a certain area code because that's where that person who hurt you is from and what if they're calling you so what happens in these moments is you and I allow bitterness to enter into our hearts and for the woman at the well This bucket, this jar that she was carrying was just a reminder of her hurt. Every day, she'd carry this bucket. Every day, it was a reminder of the hurt that she had to bear. It was a reminder of how hard things were in her life. And and because of the hurt that she had experienced in her life, She carried a bucket and it became a heavy burden. But as we see this woman responding, as we see her dealing with all of these things, she probably has some physical hurt. She probably has some things that people have done to her physically. Maybe she was abused. Maybe her her dad was abusive. Like as we look into this woman's life, she has five husbands and the guy she's living with now isn't her husband. Sounds like somebody's looking for somebody to love her well. And so she, she's in her hurt, and so people physically hurt you, and this hurt of your life, this bucket, this burden, all of these things begin to pour into your life. And she's carrying this jar every single day, and it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier as she's reminded of the hurt that she had in her life, and look how much the hurt is changing her. The hurt is changing her so much that it's dictating her routine. Anybody in here, deal with your routine in life so you don't have to deal with the thoughts that are in your head, so you don't have to deal with the memories that were there because they're so bad. And let me tell you something. Physical hurt does not compare to emotional hurt. We all heard that phrase when we were kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and words will always wound me. See, because here's the deal. Some people in this room right now, me included, You may have experienced physical hurts in your life, but your body is healed, but your soul has not. And so this lady, she's coming here in the middle of the day, and I know that there's emotional hurt in her life because of the way that she responds to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, can I have a glass of water? Can I have a drink? Who are you to ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a glass of water? Jews don't even associate with people like me, and I don't even associate with Samaritans. That's how far down the totem pole she is. That's how much in her hurt she is. So maybe your hurt's like this. Your parents never told you they loved you. Your spouse told you you'll never be enough. You'll never make it. You'll always be a piece of garbage. You're nothing. And people through their words your whole life 
have been annihilating you. And so what happens is, is because we don't let the water roll off our back, we have to carry the bucket. We have to carry this bucket of hurt all the time. And for this Samaritan woman, every single day was carrying this bucket towards her hurt, the reminder of her isolation, even if it was on her own terms. And you know what carrying this kind of hurt does to you and I? Hey, can I give you a hug? <laughs> oh, I, I, not long. Okay, you got to hurry. And then, and then you and I have experienced enough hurt and enough bitterness and enough things in our life that as people come to you in your life, you go, nah, I can't stop. Don't come any closer. I can't take any more in this bucket. I can't do anything else in this life. And so what we do with the people in our lives, our kids, our spouse, our siblings, our friend, our boss, everybody's this far away. I can't carry any more of this. And so although so much of me wants to be with you, I can't take any more. So stop there. Don't come into this part of my life. And so the Samaritan woman is this person who has been severely wounded in her life. The only reason I'm allowed to build this, or I can lift this now, is because of Bob. <laughs> Bob makes me take five-gallon drums all day at the gym, and I have to lift it and do all these things. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> but here's the deal. No matter how strong I get, this always gets heavy. No matter how good you get at burying your emotional pain, the burden always gets heavy. And you know, it really rears its head at the most inopportune times. And it generally rears its head against the people who are starting to get closest to us. So for the Samaritan woman, here's this person who she feels ridicule. She feels all of these things. And because of this emotional and this physical hurt, she basically is like, stop. I can't take any more. I wish you weren't even here. I'm just here to get some water. I really don't need to hear from you. I can tell that you're a teacher. I can tell that you're Jewish, and I don't want to deal with this. You don't even deal with Samaritans, and neither do I. That's how far down this thing I am. That's how hurt I am. And everybody knows in here that loneliness is a very deep place to be and will cause us to do some things that we never thought we would. The Bible speaks to this directly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look at what the Bible says. See to it, like this is important, like this is a command. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Hebrews is, the author of Hebrews is writing to the people or speaking to the people, says, look, I need you to do something. Let us make sure that we do not allow bitterness to take root. Because at the end of it is hatred and death. Anybody in here garden? You got to pull the weeds early, right? You don't wait till they get real big. You don't wait till the roots get real strong. You don't wait till they go real deep. As soon as you see that little weed in your garden, what do you do? Oh, let's get that out of here. Because some of us in our life, we've let the weeds grow over, haven't we? And sometimes you got to cut down the whole garden. Some of us in the, our hearts have let the garden of our heart get just overgrown with bitterness. With the weeds of, of life and hurt and all of these things. And so what happens in this moment is that you, because you're hurt, this is what the Samaritan woman does. This is the next point. She makes others pay for the sins of the ghosts of the past. See, you and I, because we can't necessarily reconcile with the people or situations that hurt us, we make others pay for the sins. Jesus had never done anything wrong to this woman. Jesus had never hurt her. Jesus had never spoken ill to her. Jesus had never, ever ridiculed her or judged her. But because other Jewish teachers had, she was making him pay, stay away from me because of the sins of other people. The problem with fighting ghosts is that you can never win and the people you're putting them on can't either. And so you and I, remember I told you, your hurt will haunt you unless you start to bury the hurt, unless you start to bury the things that have hurt you most in this life. And here's what we'll do. We will make our family members and our spouses and our friends and even our kids pay for the sins of others. Like some of us, I know you're in this room and your parents were God-awful. By the grace of God, you're here in this room. 
And so because uh, you were hurt so much, and because of all of these things, you just walk backwards away from your parents your whole life. You're just walking backwards. They've hurt you so much. And then when your spouse or, or your partner, whoever, starts to act like your parent, you get after them. Why? Because there's no grace left because you're fighting ghosts, and they don't even know what's going on. My, my wife, when I was dealing with a season of my life where I was really struggling with my past, I don't have a perfect past, maybe like a lot of you. I didn't do some things that I was super proud of growing up. And, and as I was, I was going into ministry, I really began to struggle with the fact that could I be a pastor? Could I? Like because of the things that have happened in my life, like could I really do that? And there'd be times that I was fighting ghosts in my mind and Kelsey would look at me from across the room and go, where are you right now? Where are you? You're not here. Where are you right now? Because I was fighting the ghosts of my mind. And then as I was fighting those ghosts, she would say something. And because I was so agitated, I would go right after her. Like, hey! Or my kids or whatever. I was just short because I'd been fighting a war in my mind that didn't exist anymore. That I'm not going to win anymore because I need someone else to win the battle. If it's a metaphysical battle, I need somebody metaphysical to fight it. And so that's why addiction doesn't work. Because you're taking physical things and trying to fight metaphysical things. You're trying to take drink and drug and sex and video games and TV and food. And you're trying to take physical things to fight ghosts. And the problem is they will never add up. And so you and I in our hurt, every person in this world is in a battle for our souls and our lives. But we're trying to fight it with the world. And let me just tell you. Coping, we want to get you to the point where you're not declining, but coping isn't a way to live. I don't want you to cope your whole life. God doesn't want you to cope your whole life. And so what happens is, is because of this moment, Jesus, you have to believe this, is divinely there to meet this woman. The text indicates it. Jesus is divinely at the well to meet this woman. I really believe this. Some of us in this room tonight are here, and Jesus is ready to divinely meet you tonight. And you've been fighting, and you're tired, and you've been making those who you love most in this life fight all of these ghosts. And you know what happens when you fight ghosts? Everybody's guilty all the time. Every person around you in your life. Your kids, they're guilty. Your spouse, they're guilty. Your parents, they're guilty. The person down the street, the person who, who cuts you off has the worst of intentions. They're guilty. And when you think somebody has the worst of intentions, you've assigned guilt already. You're, you're guilty. The reason you did that is because you hate me. When they're like, no, my wife's going into labor. I got to get to the hospital. And so what happens is, is that's an indicator for you in your life if you're constantly fighting ghosts of the past. Everybody's guilty all the time. Every person in your life is doing this. And because we expect people to be guilty, the only behaviors that we reward with our time, our thought, our actions, is the behaviors that are hurting us. We reward these negative behaviors because it's what we expect of guilty people. And so the only conversation you have with your spouse or your kids are about the things that they do wrong and never the things that they do right because you're operating out of your hurt. And you're trying to fight these people in this moment. When you live through past hurts, you're always pulling people into the rearview mirror of your life. You're walking away from your hurt backwards. And you take your family and your kids and your spouse and your parents and you bring them right in line with your hurt. Because that's the thing you're most afraid of. And so when they start to behave that way, you start assigning those behaviors on them because you've got to protect yourself to survive. And the Bible has never called us to just walk away backwards from something. The Bible has always told us to what? Repent, which is a 180 turn, and walk towards something else. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 24, 25 and 20 to 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is what Proverbs is telling us. You can't live your life looking through the rearview mirror and bring everybody else into it. You're going to miss a lot of life. Instead, the Bible says, turn around. 
and start walking towards these other things. Don't turn your head to the right or the left. That means get distracted. But you've got to look towards this new goal, which is what we talked about last week. If you don't know where you're headed, you're never going to arrive. So what happens here in this moment is our hurts have a way of distracting us from where God really wants us. They pull us from what God has for us and what the enemy wants for us. See, the enemy doesn't have a future for you. So that's why he wants you to distract you from it. He has a past that he wants to remind you of. So hey, keep looking back. Keep looking at all these things. Keep looking in the rearview mirror because you're not going to see what's coming and you're not going to receive your healing. See, because being hurt will blind you from what is right in front of you. From what is right in front of you, you can't see it because it's because you're always looking back. And that's exactly what happens to the Samaritan woman. As she talks to Jesus, she's looking at everything through all the hurt that she's experienced. And she keeps missing Jesus. Look at these verses. Chapter 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? She doesn't even see that right then he's a teacher. You're just a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you talk to me? Chapter 4, verse 12. As he continues to talk to her, he talks about living water. She says this, are you greater than our father Jacob who left, who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did the sons and his livestock? She goes, all right, you're a Jewish person, but are you better than Jacob? This is his well. Jesus is like, I just talked to you about living water. You're comparing me to the ghost of the past. Hmm. That's interesting. Then it goes on and the Bible says in verse 19, look at what happens. The woman, now that Jesus is talking to her and telling her about all the husbands that she used to have and the guy she's living with now, notice she ticks up a notch. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So he goes from a Jewish guy to, do you think you're really better than Jacob to, whoa, you got some skill in your life. Are you a prophet? Notice what happens with Jesus. Jesus never abandons her in her hurt. See, some of us, because our confidence is not in who God has called us to be, when people come against us, we get hurt and we get out. Jesus, because he was confident in who he was, stuck with her and never stopped, even though she was disrespectful. Even though she talked to him through her hurt. Look, what happens? Verse 25. Just then his disciples, as she begins to, he tells this woman about the truth and who he is and who she is talking to. She begins to what? In verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So she goes, hey, you're a Jewish guy. Are you better than Jacob? Hey, you must be a prophet. And then she goes, there's this guy you kind of remind me of. He's the Messiah and he's going to do everything. And look what Jesus says to her. It's not in the notes, but listen. Then Jesus declared, verse 26, I, the one you're speaking to, am he. I am the Messiah. So you go, oh, what happens? The woman leaves, she turns, and she goes. And verse 45 of the, or 42 of the chapter says this. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. She goes from being angry, in her hurt, in her despair, missing the person that is sitting in front of her, to now being able to declare who God is and who Jesus is because he stuck with her. He didn't say, that's a stupid feeling. He didn't say, the question about Jacob's well, that's dumb. Why would you even ask that? What did he do? He always lovingly, gracefully, peacefully answered her because here's what we see in, this pas in these passages. Hurt will blind you from what is right in front of you. It will. Jesus was sitting right in front of her. He's talking to her about living water, living life, eternal life, a well that will never run dry. And if she drinks of this water, she'll never be thirsty. And she's still missing it. Then he tells her about all of her husbands and the guy that she's living with now. And she's still like, oh, are you a prophet? He's like, yeah, I am. I am the prophet. And then he tells her about eternal life and the truth of it. And she finally says, there's this guy that you're reminding me of, the Messiah. I'm him. Like, here's your sign, right? But because she's hurt and because that's the only thing that she can deal with, that's the only way that she can look at things is through her hurt, she can't see what's right in front of her. Here's what I mean. Jesus is sitting right in front of her, but because her hurt in her past is behind her, she's always looking over her shoulder. 
And he's like, I, I, I'm going to tell you about living water. And she's like, yeah, I know. But what about this? You're better than Jacob? Hey, yeah, uh, let me tell you about, about who you are. And I know the things about you and I'm still here. Oh, my five husbands? You, I think you're a prophet. And Jesus just patiently sits there right in front of her and is saying, look at me. Look at me for your hope. Look at me through all of this because your hurt will blind you to what is right in front of you. And for this woman, it was her past relationships and her religious hangups. And for a lot of us in this room, that's it. And let me just say, like some of you in this room may be in the process of deconstructing your faith. That's really popular right now. Because of hurt, you kind of bring your faith down to bare bottoms. But then, here's what I got to tell you. You can't build your life in your, your new understanding of Christianity based upon your hurt. Because then you're just going to build a God in a thing that doesn't hurt you because of the bad experience you've had, but it's never the real thing. And that's what I've noticed that's going on for young people in our world right now. Because they're hurt, because of some things that haven't added up in their life and what they heard about Christianity, they, they break everything down. Okay, that's fine. But instead of building it upon the truth, they build it upon their truth. And now there's this false God who's never going to speak into their life. So what are you doing in this moment? See, the closer and closer you walk with Jesus, the more and more you'll see him. See, Jesus addressed her doubts and her hurts, and the more he did that, the more clearly she saw him. Do you see Jesus in your life right now? Do you see Jesus in your hurt right now? Do you see him healing you in those moments right now? As you get closer to walking with Jesus right now, are you moving forward in your life? See, what happens with this woman that we see, because of all the hurt in her life, Jesus brings it up. See, because we have this phrase and this saying, and it's a truth. Hurt people hurt people. When people are hurting, they tend to hurt people. Has anyone in here ever like, seen an injured animal or dog? And what do people say? Don't get near it. It'll bite you. Why? Because it's hurt. It's going to protect itself. I'm not calling you dogs, okay? But here's the deal. Some of you are wounded, and people are saying, hey, don't go near. They might bite you. They might come after you. And you're saying that to some people. Hey, don't get near me. You're growling. Don't get near me. If you do, I'll bite you. I'll hurt you. Why? Because I'm hurting, and I don't want to be hurt again. And so instead of allowing God to protect us, we begin to protect ourselves. The problem is, the only way that you and I can protect ourselves is by isolating ourselves. Some of you in this room have told your spouse how you feel about something, and they ignored it. And they keep doing the thing that you told, that they told you hurt. And so what do you do? You isolate yourself. You stop talking. Because they didn't answer or, or, or see you because they maybe didn't agree with your feeling. What did you do? You just shut down. Are you healed? Are you healed because you shut down? No, it still hurts, and there's still bitterness being built in your life. And this sickness is going to go through your relationship, through your marriage, and through all of these things. Let me just tell you something. I've never met a couple who, who got divorced that it started that day. I've never been in a counseling session with a couple that's like, I don't think we're going to make it. And I'm like, what happened? And they're like, this morning, for the very first time, she spoke rude to me. This morning, for the very first time, he left the cabinets open. This morning, for the very first time, they emasculated me. For the very first time, he, he man-explained to me. If you, do you guys need to know what that? No, I'm just kidding. That'd be like me mansplaining. I'm not doing that. But here's the deal. And because you feel rejected because you don't feel hurt, you just go back into your hurt and you cuddle up and you curl up. And then because that hurt has to be released, you will go to things that you should never go to in this world to try to satisfy your soul and death will reign. Because what? We're just carrying these buckets of hurt. And every time they ignore you, they don't think it's a big deal, but you're hurting. And you just stop explaining it to them and to your kids and to your wife and to, and to your friends because you know what? okay, I'm just going to hold this. Please stop pouring into the bucket. But last time I told you not to, you just kept doing it. And I'm just tired. So you gave up. You gave up trying to be heard, trying to get through it. And so what happens here is because all of this bitterness enters into your life, we have people in our lives. 
We have our spouse, our partner. We have our kids, our siblings, our parents, our friends, our coworkers, all of these people in our life. And here's the question that I have for you. If you're not dealing with the hurt that has come into your life, then what are you pouring into the lives of others? This is what Jesus says to her. Look, we got a problem. Husband one, because you were hurt. There you go, husband one. Husband two, here you go. Husband three, here you go. Husband four, here you go. My parents hurt me. They disciplined me, Red. I never thought I'd be a good enough parent. So when you disobey me, I feel disrespected. And because I never felt respected in my whole life, here, kids, I'm going to talk to you terribly. Hey, my dad used to beat me. My mom used to beat me. All of these things, and now I'm scared. And so when my wife or my husband does these things, I lash out physically. My parents split up because of an infidelity. They, they did all of these things, and there was cheating. And so now every time I'm around my spouse, I saw how bad that hurt me and my parents. And so anytime someone doesn't answer the phone, doesn't answer that text right away, didn't share your location, you're cheating. I'm going to be angry. That business partner who just totally messed you up, who just stole everything, who did everything that was wrong to you in your life, your parents who took your money because they didn't have any, because they were drinking too much and doing all of these things. And so now you're a thief and you'll get yours. And what happens is, is for the other people in our lives, you will bring death into their life because all you have left to pour out of your life is the hurt that's never been dealt with. And that's exactly what happened to the Samaritan woman. She had all this hurt in her. So she has five husbands. And you're like, even to today's standards, you're like, whoa, girl, figure it out. It's either there's really something wrong with all five of them or there might be something going on with you. There's one common denominator in this equation. She's hurting. And I'm not blaming her. I'm not saying she's awful. Look at this lady. This is what I'm telling you. She's hurting. She's hurting. And because she's hurting, because she's never dealt with it, she just hurts the people that are around her. And they have to pay for the sins of the past. Because bitterness has taken root. And now, what's happening there's maybe generations of people who this is going to be the story. This is going to be the story of their life. I always talk to people who tell me about their parents. And, and I'll begin to talk to them and they're like, my, my parents did this or this or this or my, you know, whatever. My spouse does this and this. And I say, tell me about their parents. They're like, oh, they were always nitpicking them. They were, you know, even to this day. And then you look and they're nitpicking everything. And they freak out if things aren't perfect. Why? Because they're hurt. They're operating through hurt. And so what happens here is you and I don't have much more to pour into others because the only thing that we have left in us is our hurt. And, and even when we try to pour out some good things, sometimes it's tainted by the hurt. And some of us in this room have learned to cope with our behaviors rather than healing them. And let me just tell you, you've got to heal the behavior. You've got to heal the hurt because coping will get old. It will. It gets old. It, 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 it's hard because you're always holding something back. And so you and I, in order to really deal with this, we can't be walking backwards from our hurt. We have to head towards our future. You have to move towards your future, not away from your past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Listen to what the Bible says as we get ready to wrap up here in just a second. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. This is being salvation. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say? Paul has a messed up past. He's got a lot of hurt. He's got a lot of things going on. In fact, he left his religion he, he remembers when he murdered Christians. And this is what Paul says. I can't keep walking around backwards. I got to head towards something new. And forgetting what is behind me, I strive on to the new goal. 
And yes, I'll mess up. And yes, these things will happen to me in this life. But I have to move forward in this moment. For some of us, we're hurt from our our parents, our relationships, our spouses, and any other relationship. And what we're trying to do is rather than than fix it, we just walk away from, from our hurt backwards. But we can never see them for who they actually are. We can never see them for sometimes the good that they do. Or it's short-lived because it's, you see it, but then you see the thing that they did wrong again. Here's how you may know that you may be operating out of hurt. Maybe as a parent or a spouse or a sip, whatever. I will never do that. I'll never do that. I'll never be like them. I'll never, ever be like this. And you're like, that's great that you're not going to be that. But what are you going to be then? You're not telling me the goal. You're just telling me what the goal isn't. And so you walk away backwards. Oh, oh. And here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to have incredible relationships in your life, it's not that you aren't somebody. You're who God called you to be. It's much easier to step forward in this life and to move forward in this life when you're looking towards where you're going than it is to walk backwards. Some of you in here have been so stressed because you're afraid I'm going to trip over that guitar pedal because I don't know where I'm going. Anybody in here drive in reverse all the time? Why? You're like, well, I don't know where I'd be going, but you live your life that way. You're constantly in reverse. And you think you're headed somewhere, but you can't see anything that's ahead of you because you're always looking back. And I know that it hurts. And I know that you're dealing with this. And I know that you and I have to deal with all of these things. But here's the deal. For you and I to truly be healed, who's the first step? Who's the first step? You're like, that's not good English. That's the point. Who's the first step? See, for so many of us, we take our hurt so many times in our life and we go, okay, what do I got to do? Tell me what I got to do. Tell me all these things that I got to do in order to be okay, and I'll do them. And see, the problem is we're going to use all the world to try to fight all the spirit. And you're going to need someone who's spiritual to fight the spiritual war. Coping is great. Freedom is better. Jesus doesn't want you to live a life of coping. Jesus wants you to live a life that's healed. 100%. And some of you and me too are really good at coping. But what I realized is I had coped with some things in my past, but they came back to haunt me. They grew while I hid them in the closet. And when they finally came out, they were bigger than I ever imagined. And I needed Jesus to heal me. I needed Jesus to do the work. I needed Jesus to remind me of all of these things. And so what is the first step that you and I need to do? It's a who. We think we need to take the first step. Jesus already has. Notice that Jesus was already at the well waiting for the woman to get there. The place of her hurt, the place of her shame, the reminder of everything that had gone wrong in her life, he was waiting. He made the first step, and he's made the first step in our lives too. He came from heaven to earth, and he's always extended the arm and extended the hand to us in this moment. It's not a what, it's a who, and you and I need to accept and believe in Christ. That's the who, because you're fighting these memories and these demons and these heartaches and these things in your life with everything the world has, but it's like you brought a knife to a gunfight. It's not a what, it's a who. And so you and I, he doesn't want us to learn to cope. Jesus wants us to move forward. Jesus wants us to be better. So once we know and receive what Jesus has done, then we can take the first steps. And what's the first step? To believe and then to cast it all on God. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, your cares, your worries, your hurt, your pain, your disappointment. 
on him because why? He cares. And what does Jesus say? Let's make an exchange. You give me your hurt. You give me your despair. You give me your sin. You give me your shame. And I will give you my righteousness. I will give you my holiness. I will give you everything. And this is what Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew. He says, take on my burden for my yoke is light and my burden is easy. Here's what he's saying. Stop carrying stuff you were never meant to handle. That's why I came back. I'm here to save you. Sin wrecks you, destroys you, does all of these things to you. And so what does he say? Cast it all on him. And then Colossians chapter 3, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is not saying it's all okay. Forgiveness is saying it's all going to be okay because Jesus is going to deal with it. He is a God of perfect justice. So it will be dealt with in this life or the next. You can bet on that because he is perfectly just. It's either going to be dealt with on the cross or dealt with in hell. That's the reality of the situation. But nothing will go unknown. And because of that, you can trust the perfect judge of your life. And so what do we need to do? Simple. Take our burden. And give it to him. I want you to notice something that really happens in the text. That's really interesting. Look at what happens. As soon as she begins to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, this is what she does. Verse 27 of chapter 4. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what are you doing or what do you want? Why are you talking to her? Then what? Leaving her water jar leaving the mechanism that was a reminder and a burden that she physically carried, that was a reminder of her past, that was a reminder of her pain, that every day as she carried that stinking water jar, she was just reminded of all the things that had gone wrong in her life. And so what does she do when she really meets Jesus, who tells her everything she's ever done and tells her that he loves her? She leaves the jar behind. And what does she do? She does exactly what we're supposed to do. She went back. She turned around. She moved towards something else. She moved towards what she was actually supposed to be. And she goes back into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? It's a rhetorical question. They came out of the town and made their way towards him. And we know from verse 42, everyone goes, we don't believe because of what you said. We believe now because we've seen. And so what did she say? The last point of tonight's message is leave the bucket. Leave the bucket behind. And so here's what happens. When you and I leave the bucket, we pour all this hurt and all this heartache and all this shame. And it may may not be like in one fell swoop. It may be over time. It may be as we come to know Jesus and see him more clearly, we begin to trust him more and more with our hurt. And what happens? The Bible says we get this exchange. Our hurt goes to Jesus. And out of Jesus comes his righteousness, his holiness, his goodness, his, his, his life, his everything. And so what happens is our hurt turns into our hope. And now we're carrying a new bucket. And now we get to walk through this life and go, hey, let me show you about this bucket. The burden is light. It's easy. I have Christ in me and he dwells in me and he is living water. And so now you can go to your friends and your family and go, my hurt's been dealt with. Here's a little Jesus. My hurt's been dealt with. Here's a little hope. My hurt's been dealt with. Here's a little little forgiveness. Here's a little bit of lack of shame. Here's my hope. I can give and be generous and love you even when you're not loving to me because I got something new inside of me and his name is Jesus Christ. For some of us in this room, hurt is killing your relationships. If you want to have an incredible family, we have to be like the Samaritan woman. We have to trust him for who he is and leave the bucket behind and move forward in this life. Put down your jar. It's too heavy for you, but it's not too heavy for him. And the more and more we give to him, the more clearly he'll see us. See, we talked about in the beginning of this message, we need to bury hurt. We don't just bury it. Things that you bury tend to grow back. We need to put it in the grave but we need to put it in the grave with someone. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 
He was put into the grave for you and I. He bore our hurt, our sin, our shame, and the power of death over us. And he took it to the grave for us. But what did he do? Because death couldn't hold him, because sin couldn't hold him, because hurt couldn't hold him. On the third day, he rose again. That's how you and I can kill the hurt inside of us. We give it to Jesus and let him take it to the grave. And there, he will destroy it completely. And you say, I, can't, I don't know if I can trust him right now. I don't know if I can do all this. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this as Cody gets ready to come up. Just give him the next thing. Okay, you're not ready to do everything. There's still hurt. You're, you're processing through this. You're still getting through it. I am too. Just give him the next thing, the next memory, the next piece of pain, the next time that thing comes up. If you've believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've confessed that and believed that in your heart, whenever that hurt, that shame, that guilt, that fear, you can remind it of who you are and whose you are. And you can remind it that was buried. 2,000 years ago, it was buried. And I am no longer that. It's not my name anymore. And so where are you in your life? Where are you in your relationships? If you want to have incredible marriages, incredible relationships with your kids, if you want to have incredible relationships with your friends and your family and all of these things in your life, we got to exchange hurt for hope. And that exchange comes through a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing this song. It's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And the altar was always the place in the Bible where people would do business with God. The altar was where the, the things that were meant to pay for our sins were sacrificed so that we could be forgiven. This was always a place where injustice was met with justice, where hurt was met with hope. And so tonight, we don't have like this crazy looking altar, but we have some stairs. And let me just tell you, I know that we all have hurt. I know it. You're not alone. You're not the only one dealing with it right now. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Come to the altar. Pray. Give it over to God. Bring somebody with you if you need to. I don't know. You're not alone, but bring it to the altar. Coming down right now. Bring it to the altar. Begin to give it to Jesus. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your hope. And watch your family be changed. Watch your marriage be changed. Watch your friendships be changed. Watch your employees be changed. Watch your work be changed. Watch everything be changed because you've exchanged hurt for hope.